Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell! Matt, how you doing tonight? I am uh, trying to fight off Killer Frost. Yeah, man, I am f- trying to fight off Killer Frost as well, and the wreckage that she has done to my immune system. But I got to tell you, man, you and I, we're doing okay. You're over in Texas. I'm over in Mississippi. I'll be in Texas in the next couple of weeks as we get ready for this big move that I mentioned last week. But regardless, when it comes to the solar vortex, I'm sorry, the polar. <laughs> you keep doing that. I keep doing that. It is definitely the, it's like the opposite of the solar vortex. It's, uh, it is so cold here in uh, these United States. Uh, that it has gotten very much a, a killer frost going on. Uh, some would say more killer than the killer frost on the show. Rimshot. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, we've got an awesome episode to talk about. I want to do one little bit of housekeeping that I, I feel bad. You and I were just talking before uh, recording this episode, and I feel I need to like give some major props to something that happened during the hiatus. Now, during the uh, during the hiatus, I had the opportunity to go participate at Stark Expo, which uh, is not Tony Stark's big technological whatever where he showcases his new Iron Man suit. It sounds like that. That's not what it is. It's actually a uh, it was it was a event, kind of a, a big get together at DragonCon. I guess DragonCon adjacent, you might say. Uh, that had a lot of shows that were uh, created and kind of launched uh, thanks to uh, none other than Derek Russell, who has been featured on the show in the past, our, our, some t- our on-again, off-again best friend slash rival uh, slash, <laughs> slash mortal enemy somewhere in there, uh, as well as Steve Glosson and the, the great shows that they've created and a lot of the podcasts that they've also inspired. So uh, I was uh, honored to, to be asked to, to come to that and sit in on a, a live recording of the With Brian Austin Green podcast featuring television's Brian Austin Green. As he uh, as he kind of uh, chastised a lot of the uh, a lot of the folks that were there, it was it was kind of an interesting experience. I'm not going to lie, man. But uh, but I will say uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast, and it was a great opportunity to meet some of the folks that I had met online in person for the first time. And uh, word is there may be a Stark Expo coming down the line in the future. So all that to say, uh, shouts out to uh, to Derek Russell for putting on an amazing show during the hiatus. I should have mentioned that like three episodes back, but <laughs> I'm doing it now. Yeah. So that I don't uh, so that I at least I could sleep at night. <laughs> you have been derelict in your duties, but you know what? I'm sure they'll forgive you. If only I could m- remember Rebellia. What that that was a terrible transition. Bell, are you ready to talk oh. about this episode? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into the rundown. The, the rundown. Episode 12 of season 5, Memorabilia, directed by Rebecca Johnson and story by Sam Chelson and Kristen Kim. Bell, what happened to this episode? The team planned to try and wake Grace up, thus preventing Cicada from killing anyone else. Sherlock proposes a method in which they can enter Grace's memories and thus attempt to wake her up from there. However, Nora preemptively enters Grace's memories and attempts to help wake her up on her own. Barry and Iris discover that Nora has entered Grace's mind and attempt to follow, but end up in Nora's memories where they discover Star Labs has been turned into the Flash Museum. They are pursued 
rescued by a memory of the reverse Flash before encountering a memory of Nora and Iris bonding, which they use to exit Nora's memories. Nora attempts to wake Grace, but Nora discovers to her horror that Grace shares her uncle's anti-meta views and knows the only person that can help her is Cicada, who attacks Nora before Barry and Iris save her and exit Grace's mind. Caitlin reveals that a satellite shard loaded with dark matter is lodged in Grace's brain and is creating a barrier, meaning they can't re-enter Grace's mind. Meanwhile, Iris starts the Central City Citizen, that's some alliteration for you, which Nora reveals was originally founded in 2021, meaning Iris is changing the future. Finally, Cisco makes some headway on the Medicure, which Barry decides to use on Cicada. Dun, dun, dun. All right, man. So much to talk about this episode. But can I just say out the gate how much I loved this episode? Like, I know going into this, like, second half of the season, I was a little wary. We got kind of some... I don't know, maybe some some watered down episodes. They they weren't all there, but oh my goodness, man, we got so much goodness in this episode. We, I mean, like Flash Museum out the gate, Bell. We finally got a f- more full picture of the Flash Museum. Yeah, you know, I, I I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I was kind of a little disappointed just because, uh, I mean, I always assumed they were going to turn Star Labs in the Flash Museum, but you know that one scene where like Barry is running through time and we see like the exterior and it's like this, you know, Smithsonian looking museum kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, different. I, yeah, yeah. Very, very different there. So maybe that's just another Flash Museum on another Earth or something like that. So it's so you know no biggie. But uh, but yeah, it was, it was still awesome to see it. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, we got to see the gift store, which means we got to see all the you know the the Flash, uh, you know, the action figures and the comics, and and we got a chance to see the uh, the bobbleheads, the the weirdly proportioned bobbleheads. <laughs> <It was> <laughs> Everything <laughs> was there. Everything. It's all here, as well as the villains, man. So the Hall of Villains, we'd obviously we'd seen before. And I mean, it has been the case with the Flash Museum that we do get those teases, right? Like, as you mentioned in the very first season, we get that Flash, uh, no pun intended, of the Flash Museum while Barry is running through the Speed Force, while he's running through time. And, you know, along the way, we've gotten little glimpses here, little glimpses there. You know, up until now, the big one was seeing Nora wandering through the Hall of Villains as an adult. Here, we get a chance to spend some time with Nora as a child. And, I, you know, I, I realize I'm getting ahead of myself, right? I mean, like, you know, but Belle just read the description. You know, this is, this. it's Inception, all right? They, they, <laughs> they, they FedExed a Inception device from another Earth because, you know, there's like FedEx that goes across the, uh, that's, the multiverse. That's so, that was really weird to me. It's like, I, I'm assuming that it was a Wells on Earth yes. 2112 yes. or something. I think so, exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. Because like, otherwise I'm like, uh, uh, Earth Prime, like the Earth, has just been left out on all this multiverse fun. <laughs> and it's like, that's just not fair. And so I, I guess all the Wells is on all the different Earths have set up this like interdimensional FedEx, I suppose. No, this <laughs> so, I want this to be the case. Yes. We. We, you know, if you think about it now, you've got some sort of like UPS, FedEx type of, you know, shipping system. We know that there's interdimensional communication boxes that are uh, sent from here to there. We also know there's a interdimensional task force of breachers who go around to try to police the breaching of various universes. There is clearly some sort of governing body that is not the Council of Wells nor the Council of Harry's, as those are just more of you know, social clubs more so than anything else. But, I, you know, I want to see it. I want to actually see that you're right, that there are this infinite number of wells out there beyond the ones that we have seen that have created a, a government governing infrastructure that you know, handles the entire multiverse. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's got to be and it's got to be. And for some reason, they just chose to sort of like, you know, 
keep the, the, the regular real our earth kind of thing out of it. And, you know, understandably, who, who knows what Barry would do if if he could ruin the timelines of multiple, you know, earths. <laughs> well, you know what I, I love about this is that, you know, the way that this show is structured and the way that we've been able to enjoy the content and, you know, and I don't mean this as a negative, the ridiculous nature of the show. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean like it's a comedy per se. I don't mean that, you know, they're cracking wise. What I mean is that like we are dealing with the multiverse. We are dealing with people that can shoot ice out of their hands, that can open breaches into a world that is covered in lava that also has vampires. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the fantastical elements. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Bell. Exactly. The fantastical elements of this series allows us to get this, you know, weird looking Doctor Who device and just say it came from another Earth. And it's going to, you know, take us to an Inception storyline. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm good with that. But that is more more than enough explanation for me. Yeah. See, like that's that's the thing. You know, I always complain about sciencey stuff and things like that. It, when, it, when it's when it's when they don't take the time to kind of uh, uh, introduce it in a way that makes you not care about the origins of it, because all Sherlock had to say is, that, yeah, I just FedExed it from Earth 21 to whatever. You know, you guys don't have an interdimensional parcel program. <laughs> OK, cool. Like that's I'm like, fine. All right. That's all I need to know. Yep, there's an Earth where these kind of technologies exist. And and Sherlock has the access to the interdimensional FedEx to bring it here. Fine. Cool. Perfect. Yep. Yep. That's, now, now, one thing satisfies my curiosity. <laughs> one thing he does mention, though, is he mentions uh, tangling with the Mad Hatter. Now, did you did you read that as like, you know, the Mad Hatter of DC and Batman fame? Uh, is that when he was talking about his partner, Watson? No, although <laughs> we'll save that for later. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, no, not his partner. This was a villain that he tangled with and, and kind of the, the way in which he basically has knowledge of this kind of technology is by tangling with, uh, you know, a villain named the Mad Hatter. Now, of course, the Mad Hatter from the comics uh, is a Batman villain who took control of people by having these kind of halo-like technological rings that would go around their heads, controlling their brainwaves and making them do his bidding. And of course, he would disguise them in hats. And so thus, the Mad Hatter did his thing. And from the description, it sounds like on Sherlock's Earth, which we actually don't know which Earth that is, that he actually has a Mad Hatter that he personally tangled with. That would be really neat to see if, uh, well, I mean, it's more of a Batman villain, but, you know, still, we get some villain crossover here and there, Well, especially with, you know, Green Arrow being the Batman of the Arrowverse. Yeah, essentially. But, I mean, but but actually, that, but but not, though, right? Because we now know that in, you know, after the crossover that there was a Batman of this uh, of this Earth, of, of our Earth, of Earth Prime, and, uh, and Batwoman is about to actually step into that role. So it's possible that she might be tangling with a Mad Hatter in the near future, and we yeah. almost got a little bit of a setup for what that uh, what that might be. So I'm I'm excited to see if uh, you know maybe that's an Easter egg that blossoms into something much much greater. Could be neat. I think so. Um, you know, uh, we start off we kind of book in this episode with Nora communicating to Eobard. And, you know, we talked about it in previous episodes, but if the idea is that Eobard is existing within that one hour and time is flowing normal, but she keeps on popping back and forth and sending messages like his his little notifications have to be going off like he's vi- like he's going viral right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like, all right, Nora, you got to stop. I don't even have time to read this. He's like trying to take a nap and his menchies are just going crazy. And he's like, oh, what is this? Did I Oh, did I go viral in a tweet? And it's like, no, no, it's just Nora. <laughs> it's just Nora. And the great thing is like they're all like updates. Right. So it's like, oh, this happened. Then this happened. Oh, wait, no, no, this did not happen. So it's almost kind of like there was an episode of. Uh, 30 Rock, in which uh, Jack Donaghy, uh, who's the uh, the NBC executive character, uh, was 
away from the story and so the Liz Lemon character kind of the primary uh, character of that show was trying to like update him about all this craziness that was going on in her life uh, so she was leaving him constant voicemails and so as he was listening to all the voicemails he basically got the entire plot line for the entire episode without being present for the episode with all the ups downs never minds and all that <laughs> that goes yeah. along with it <laughs> and so it's kind of like that except again if Eobard doesn't have his powers I don't know how he's keeping up with all these notifications i wonder if he just forgets he's like geez it's like this is ridiculous it's like does she never doesn't she ever sleep and it's like oh wait time travel yeah never uh, i don't think eobard <laughs> needs to be reminded about time travel um yeah. oh okay so you know aside from the you know the opening monologue and that sort of thing we also got an opening a scene of the team enjoying some well-deserved r&r chilling out at the skating rink and bell I don't know about you. Did you notice anything about anything that anybody was wearing? Did anything stand out to you? Uh, well, Barry is wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah, Barry's wearing a hat. But uh, did you notice what Caitlin was wearing? I don't think I did. Okay, so this is brilliant. I love this so much. Caitlin was wearing a sweater. It was one of these kind of you know tacky Christmas style sweaters, but it was done so in like the exact pattern and design of her supervillain costume. Was it really? Yes. It's like straight up Killer Frost, but just in a like tacky Christmas sweater like format. Oh, I'm sad I missed that. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. Oh, it's fantastic. Like like that 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 was such a good uh good get right there. And honestly, I, I wanted that sweater immediately. <laughs> New on the flash store. <laughs> Star Labs gear and and a killer frost sweater. Um, you know, so we also get a lot of Ralph this episode. I mean he's been uh, sidelines throughout the season from time to time and that sort of thing. Bell, Ralph is very different this season than he was last year, uh, to, which which obviously, you know, someone who kind of bashed on the the baby, the pre-baby giraffe Ralph, um, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. But man, I'm wondering if he's if he is acting so different that there actually needs to be an in-universe reason for why he's acting so different. Or do you actually see that Ralph is acting as someone would normally act given the evolution of his character? Yeah, I think it's more character evolution. I mean, you know, he went through a lot last season and uh, I think now he's, you know, realized the error of his ways and he's trying to, you know, make up for the crappy life that he led earlier. You know, I, I said it from the beginning, new season, new Ralph. And it's and it's really, you know, held true. He's He's not slid back into his terrible ways and I, I think it's just a way to grow his character and make him less of you know a kind of like sort of situation every time you kind see him do something squirm, gross on the screen squirmy dirt bag that we got last season I, yeah I, I hear that and i do but we also got a lot of ping-ponging last season like you know he would learn a lesson then forget it and then learn a lesson then forget it then learn a lesson then forget it and i i hear you you know he went through a lot at the at the tail end of last season but i still just feel like it's it's such a night and day difference what if I'm just going to toss this out here? What if he's actually not Ralph at all? What if he's Eobard Thawne? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going to go there, but 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 what if he was? Uh, no, what if uh, what if he's the thinker, man? What if what if actually Devoe is still still kicking it back there? Nah, you don't think so? Nah, nah, not at all. I don't know, man. I I just I would not be surprised if we got that down the line. I'm not saying that that, that they're they're clearly not writing that into the story, but if they wanted to create a backdoor with the difference in Ralph's character, as much as I'm loving Baby Giraffe, he's just very different from what we've gotten before. But- yeah, sure. And I, I really think that's just a course correction on the writer's side to, like, you know, make him a likable character, someone that you care about, you know, because uh, it's kind of hard when he's this, you know, bad dude to really care that the thinker's coming after him. Right. And then so now that he's reformed, 
it's it's a lot easier to like him. Well, and he's trying to get everybody to like him, or rather, he's just trying. He's not trying to get everybody to like him. Uh, it's it's that he's he's actually being likable. He's going out. He's taking care of folks. He's taking care of Cisco very specifically in this episode. Um, you know, they uh, they go out to a couple of bars. He's trying to play wingman to him, uh, thinking that they're on a case looking for Cicada. But what they actually find is information on Cicada, a like metal punk band that um, like are like death metal band. Yeah. Find them on SoundCloud. Yeah, please. SoundCloud.com slash sick Cicada. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, that was cute. That was a good gag. That was a good gag. It was, and it was a fine little B story, and you know, nice, nice to have any time that we can get Cisco instead of Sadsco. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, man. Also, in this episode, we got a mention of another comic book villain. So not just a potential nod to a Mad Hatter, but we got a mention of another terrifying villain in the form of red death now bell are you familiar with red death you know i'm not and i was kind of curious because i didn't know if they were talking about the red skies and crisis and tying it in with that uh and so so i'm curious so enlighten me about this red death character all right so so all right so it's it's a good transition to go from sick Kata into red death because this is a character that comes out of a very very recent uh comic book storyline called batman metal maybe it's batman metals it's not one that i've read but it's one that i've always kind of found interesting you know I, you know how like you know when you're a kid and you're, you're reading the comics and everything and you're sitting down and you know, you kind of you kind of enjoy the, this concept of like, oh, you know, what if scenarios? Like, what if, you know, um, I don't know, what if uh, if if Superman landed in communist Russia as opposed to in Kansas, uh, which they actually made into a comic book? What, what, yeah, Red Sun. Yeah, exactly. What what if uh, you know? What if he was uh, stuck on Kandor instead of uh, actually you know on Earth? You know, who who knows? Like all of these different kind of scenarios you might kick around. Well, one of the scenarios was what if Batman, what if the Joker became Batman? Uh, and I'm probably butchering the pitch for whatever the, the concept was <laughs> for Batman Metal. But essentially, there was this uh, character, this Elseworlds character of the man who laughs, which is the Joker as Batman. Or Bruce turned so crazy that he became the Joker and then became a Jokerified Batman. I- I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, there's like this anti-multiverse in which all of these dark heroes reside. And they're not just evil, not in the kind of Earth-3 kind of way. They're like twisted and sadistic and, and evil looking. I mean, just Google it if you want to. But Batman Metal or, or Batman the Man Who Laughs, and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. It's horrifying. And one of those characters is Red Death. So this is an Elseworlds villain that is a very, very dark and twisted Flash, not just an Earth within the multiverse. It's like a, a Earth in the negative multiverse, for lack of a better word. The antiverse or the reverse-verse? <laughs> reverse-verse, <laughs> in, some, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, like, think about it. So if you have Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3, la la la, and at nauseum, well, if they're infinite, it goes backwards too, right? So you have... Earth negative one, Earth negative two, Earth negative three. And so it's on that side of the spectrum. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, we've gotten in the past this tee up for, you know, villains of the next season. And this would be about the right time that they would seed that in here. So I think it's very possible, especially as we march on towards crisis, that maybe next season, Barry will be going toe to toe with a alternate flash of another Earth called Red Death. That could be interesting. I mean, we we kind of seen that though with Savitar, kind of right, sort of. Uh, yes, but yeah, no, not really. And I mean, granted, Savitar was nothing like the comic book character. 
Well, sure, yeah, he's not Barry Allen from the future, right? So you know, it, it's it's a it. So I mean, if anything, that's actually a good way to kind of kind of kind of pour some ice on the hype train because at the same time they could just be using the name Red Death and then t- tell a very different story as we've seen them do time and time again. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Still, the way that they, I don't, I don't know. We could see. We could see. But like I said, I think that's probably a good prediction that Red Death will be in the future here, um, uh, coming up probably next season. Man, uh, we also got with Nora's adventure. She got into Kid Cicada's mind. That's what I'm calling her. It's no longer Grace. There's no Grace here. Kid Cicada. Yeah, because, I mean, clearly it looks like the Cicada that comes back and starts killing people again is is her, is Grace. Right? Yeah, it's got to be. Man, we also got in this episode Nora's flashbacks, specifically some interactions with her mom. Great analysis of the way that we remember things. You know, we might kind of vilify people from our past, but in reality, we were looking at them through the, the lens. And even now we still look, go back and look at them through the lens of a scared child. Um, and so it was kind of a, almost a little bit of a redemptive path for us in the audience anyway, to see that Iris actually wasn't this terrible par- parent that Nora was making her out to be. Now, I don't know about you, Bell, but I, I never really I've, I've always kind of assumed that that was probably the case. Yeah, I, I, I kind of felt the same way, too, that, you know, I, I really liked how they portrayed that, though, of, of her recollection of that event being completely different than what it actually was, because, you know, kids will do that. Right. You know, you think about an event prior and like you talk to your parents about it, and like, no, that's not at all what happened. Like, this is what actually happened. And it's just, you know, you shape those things in your head uh, to, you know, support your own biases. It's like, I'm angry at my mom. And so in my mind, this whole thing was she was mad at me and she wasn't. She was just scared. You know, she was scared that she couldn't find her and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it, it was it was it was neat to see that uh, uh, reaction there from her and, and how the actual memory went down. So, cause, you know, that stuff happens. Even even the simplest thing, like just the dropping of the action figure and, you know, in, in Nora's mind, it shattered. But in reality, it just it just fell on the ground. But she kind of built it up like that's the way she felt in that moment is that it was shattered. You know, what's funny is when I saw that thing shatter, I was like, wow, the Flash Museum is selling really crummy toys. <laughs> And, and upon like watching that be the actual wrong, you know, interpretation of the memory, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I was like, why would it break like that? I, you know, what? honestly, I was so impacted by the by the imagery. I didn't even uh, I didn't go to the practical place of, of thinking that. But that's uh... <laughs> I was like, man, those are some cheap toys. <laughs> Like, no uh, wonder Iris doesn't want her to go back. She's going to waste money on all these terrible toys. <laughs> you know, I the big the big tell that something was off was not just the uh, the flimsy you know flash doll. It was also you know when Nora was in uh, Grace's mind. You know the fact that we we'd seen that dollhouse before, right? Like we, yeah, we, we knew some of those rooms, and we've also seen the house before, and it didn't have all that crazy wallpaper. The wallpaper knows, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. The whole time I was watching that, I was trying to remember. I was like, none of this looks familiar. And uh, then I was like, ah, you know, whatever. It's memories. Memories can be sort of warped. And then, of course, that played into the actual episode. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yep, 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 yep. So it was uh, masterfully done, in my opinion. Like, I, I oh, loved yeah. the inception nature of it. The fact that they were jumping back and forth. You know, is it is it a little bit of a, uh, you know, <laughs> if you don't like sci-fi and the fantastic nature of the show, you're going to hate this episode. But if you don't mind that for for the, the use of telling, like, really, really in-depth, like, quality character-driven stories, like, this is the kind of stuff i love about this show and this is the kind of stuff i love about this season as a whole you know i said it at the top of the show but the last uh, the last couple of episodes have felt very
very watered down. This gets right back on track, in my opinion, to what I've been loving about this season. So my hats off to uh, to, to Sam, Kristen, and Rebecca. They really they really put together a fantastic episode here. Um, yeah. In it, man, we did also, you know, like we said, uh, get a chance to see some battling of a like the battling of the minds per se. I mean, you've got the way in which young grace views the rest of the world you know she sees cicada as her hero uh we had nora seeing iris as a villain and then as the the universe as things the um uh the the protective the protective barrier started to go down we started to see more of the realism of what's going on and the clarity that comes on for nora that clarity was kind of passed on to her conscious self you know she she did walk away with that with understanding and arguably had that understanding beforehand with Grace, it was a little bit different. She is still a child, which means she's seeing things through the lens of the child. Her memories are fresher, but her maturity is still about on the same level. And it'll be interesting to see where all that pans out. Now, well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, there was a change uh, for both of them. Like you said, for Nora, she brought that out as like a you know recollection that, you know, she had thought wrong about that situation and she grew from it. But with Grace... She changed as well in that she appears to become the future cicada. Um, kid cicada. And so, what? Yeah, kid cicada. I'm just going with kid cicada, man. I just, I think that's, uh, <laughs> it seemed fitting. And honestly, before we even saw her putting herself in that costume uh, in her own mind, like I was just like, no, it's a, it's a demon child. Right. <laughs> By the way, that cicada music is on point. It's so creepy. Yeah. It's like, they can t- I just say, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that it's almost like they took the concept of a jump scare and put it in musical format. Yeah. Which, which makes, which makes the tension better. I think like music really adds to the atmosphere and stuff like that. And they did a good job making that just really creepy. And so I was wondering, it's like, when is it going to get creepy? Like when are we going to get the Freddy Krueger level, you know, uh, nightmare stuff going on? And, and we kind of got it, you know, with, with kid cicada. We got there. We definitely got there. Now, uh, speaking of getting there, man, the the episode ends with Barry kind of coming to this uh, notion that he wants to use the quote-unquote cure on Cicada. Now, one thing about this, I guess they have acknowledged the fact that Cicada is a meta uh, in a back and forth between him and Barry, but ultimately, like, I I don't know. I've been operating under the understanding that he was more using quote-unquote meta tech more so than him being a meta himself. Like, what's his power, per se? Well, that's what I thought, too. I thought he got stabbed by that piece of the satellite, which left that wound, and then he's using the, the piece that stabbed him as the dagger. Right. And uh, and we've seen that that dagger shards stay with people and, like, project power more so than, like, his own physiology. Yeah, because, well, the, the strength thing, though, is weird, and I'm not sure if that's because of the wound. I think it's because of the wound and that the, the wound is, is changing him or whatnot, but still, I, he wasn't a meta beforehand, and so he is a meta now, and this whole season's about meta tech, so I have to assume that the dagger's what gave him his powers. Okay, so, but he's still considered a meta because... So, alright, here's my question. Did the dagger activate a meta gene, or does he have the powers because of the dagger and the shards that are still in his body? And if those were removed, would he still have powers afterwards? Exactly. Like, like the quote-unquote cure concept seems to be more about, you know, physiological, biological metas, and I've never seen Cicada as one of those. Yeah, me either. And that's what's kind of confusing about that. I, I don't know which direction they're going to go with it. Is it going to be a situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, for example, um, uh, Weather Witch, you know, she had her staff. Right. They took the staff away. She still didn't have powers. The only time she had powers was with the staff. Right. Uh, and with um, Advertisement Girl. 
<laughs> yes, advertisement like powers, girl. Yeah, her powers are with the phone, and she can hack into anything and like make people be possessed. And so, that's without those devices, then do they still have power? Same thing with uh, 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 not silver. That Sable. was um, that was kind of lame, wasn't it? They've, the the meta tech is is not a very interesting. Well, I mean, they they need to set the distinction between people who pick up meta tech pieces of like items that get infected with dark matter and when that dark matter enters their body well because uh, we we have both right we have people with meditech and then we have people with with the like grace and uh and cicada both have both were wounded by these pieces of dark matter infused satellite whereas everyone else just picked up items that were infused with the dark matter pieces of satellite so there's there's a distinction there that they've never addressed, and so we don't know what the situation is for those. Okay, all right, fair enough. I I guess maybe the idea behind Metatech is it has more to do with you know stories that involve modern technology that some sort of primal metagene should not or theoretically would not have any control over. You know the the ability to start any car is is kind of a weird like why in your biology would that exist? You know what I yeah. mean? So I I get it from that standpoint. Though I still think you can kind of accomplish it through either meta or, or or just have the characters invent the technology that does it. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay to have smart characters. They don't just have to find magical keys. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. anyway, just throwing that out there. But anyway, so yes, ultimately Barry does decide he wants to use the cure on Cicada, thus putting everybody in a bit of a moral quandary because they said they're never going to use it or force it upon anybody that doesn't want it. So... That's not going to lead us to speedster speculation because I don't think that's all that fascinating. But what do you think about this? Do you uh, do you do you think it's? Uh, I said out loud at the TV. I said, Barry, no, don't do this. Barry, that's 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 not Barry's choice to make. That that should have been someone else. Like his superpower is throwing a dagger and killing people. I think it's fine to cure him. Quote unquote, what? cure him. What are you actually curing him of? You're removing the the shards out of his body. You know what I mean? Like, well, you, right. But well, but I'm saying Barry should have been one to say no. We shouldn't force this cure on anybody. Like that's 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 what that's what in my mind Barry Allen would agree with Cisco. Really? Because Barry goes back and forth on this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I'm just maybe I'm mixing my Barry from the comics versus Barry from the show and. I feel that Barry would say would be on Cisco or sorry, would be on Caitlin's side and say, uh, well, I'm trying to remember which one. Neither of them wanted to forcibly do it. No, that was the compromise they came to. Like, like Caitlin didn't want it at all. Cisco wanted to do it so that there was an option. And so they both agreed we'll never force it on anybody. And that was kind of the, you know, there's the middle ground, right? That's where they landed. And that's fine. That's a good mindset going into that. And of course, to have Barry as the foil who wants to do so, um, I mean, justifiably. I, so you don't think it's okay to cure Cicada? Well, I, I mean, again, we don't know enough about how the the Metatech stuff works. If they take the dagger away and they remove the shards from him, will he not be a Meta anymore? Yeah, I get that. But all right, so let's just and then, say and then, like, pour the cure on the dagger or something, so the dagger's inert. <laughs> let's just say that it's actually him. That he is a traditional Meta. The dagger doesn't have more special properties than what we've seen thus far. And that he himself is able to control the dagger because of something about him that could be cured. Would I mean, you cure Cicada? It's still unethical. Is it, though? You're not yeah, killing absolutely. him. You're just taking away his weapons. I mean, yeah, that's what still, you do when, when you've got, like, a killer. You take away the weapons. Yeah, but he's still a person. And, like, you know, they still I, have... Yeah, I'm not killing him. I'm not saying kill him. Well, right. But, I mean, like, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy. That's typically, the bad guys, typically, the bad guys get killed. So, a, like, curing him actually seems to be the more humane path. 
Right, but it's it's like uh, it's like it's it's like if all this like I I have the the gene that makes cilantro taste like soapy dishwater, right? Uh, do you, and wait, do you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I when I eat cilantro, it tastes like soapy dishwater. That's, oh, that's a man, real thing. That's terrible. So much so much guacamole just down the drain for you. Right, and like if somebody you know made a cure for that, uh, and I could take this cure, and then I could no longer, I, I could then finally taste cilantro. It's delicious. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you know I, that's my choice to make. Sure. This this genetic thing that I have. All right, we're talking and about ge- you're sudden, ta- no. Hang on, man. You're talking about genetic editing. You're not talking about curing metahuman powers I'm, I'm trying to make a parallel here all right go keep going with with, with a subject that's not going to get us in trouble uh, <laughs> but let's say you know like that that cure was made and then they you know they were like okay well uh you know everyone has to have this because it's illegal not to eat cilantro or something like that all right you know and and then forcing that on someone is is i think unethical even though you know it, you could consider it a detriment to have this uh to, to have this gene it's still my choice on, on on you know whether or not i want to uh to you know remove it right it's all right but see here's the here's the problem with the analogy and it doesn't even matter if you like compare it to anything like you can you can use the story as allegory for you know uh real world scenarios but the reality is, is that we're not talking about, you know, something of of uh, of cilantro for lack of being able to talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> the point is, is we're talking about somebody who's using those powers to. So this is what it, this is the problem with the storyline. It ends up making us debate something that I think is a dumb, pointless storyline. <laughs> but but the point is, though, is that we're not talking about changing him in any like major way you know or or if if anything man you could argue that if it is having an effect on his personality or who he is or something in in a way in which he identifies itself it's certainly not for the better like specifically it turned him into a killing machine well but what about this though like you know we have murderers nowadays we don't cut off their hands or or make them incapable of you know committing murder for all intents and purposes we do i mean not not literally cutting off the hands per se in in our you know modern culture but but like specifically like by by sending them to prison they they are that is kind of you know right so syndicated to meta prison like they do every other meta human okay but but uh, meta prison is, is unethical because all right fair no, enough no no if they're if they're still shoving people in the pipeline maybe you got an argument but like right now yeah yeah you're right that is in right. prison they you're don't right. take their powers away forcefully yeah you're right you know that's 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 a fair point that's a fair point we are we are like out of the pipeline now so it is yeah like like that's it's, it's the same argument for me is is you know extra extra judiciously putting people in the pipeline uh interesting it's the same thing to take away their powers as it is to like you know uh, jail them without, okay. uh, uh, you know, being tried by a jury. Due process and your Miranda rights. Yeah, I, I, um, I, you know what? I had not seen it through that lens per se, uh, but I will say that okay, I definitely see your argument and where you're coming from. I, I definitely see the comparison there. And as somebody who was very anti putting him in the pipeline, um, uh, good, good way to get me there. However, I still stand by curing him is more humane than killing him, and that would make a lot more sense to me. Uh, well, that, I don't think they're going to kill him. I think I think they're going to try and reform him because, like, the, the thing is, is like Grace made him a good person, so the key is Grace. And can I just say that I called it that the satellite was what was keeping Grace asleep? Yeah, no, you did, you did. Oh, yeah. speaking yeah. of which, man, the twin situation. Uh, you know, we, we he uh, Cisco has this realization about the twins. If one's a meta, if one's not, yada yada yada. 
And, you know, we've had well, our... he said siblings, not twins. And I was thinking twins would be the best thing to do that with because... The, the, no, he, the, said, the... he said twins. Did he say twins? He said twins. I thought he said twins when he was sitting at the bar and he had kind of the... She was talking about siblings, but then he did twins because of the comparative genetic um, uh, makeup of the two. So it, a, it has to be a scenario. If I was following him, it has to be a scenario where there's twins. One is a meta, one's not. And that kind of gives him what he's looking for. My question is, though... Uh, would, do you believe that he's talking about the twins, the other twins that were referenced earlier in the season, they got hit by the satellite? Oh, uh, yeah, it's got to be, right? I mean, because I mean, otherwise, why drop that hint earlier yeah. in the season? Yeah. Massiminos, I'm, I'm still, I'm hopeful. Well, but they're both, they're both metas, though. It wouldn't make sense for just one of them to be a meta. Well, but see, the way their powers work is they have to hold hands to be able to, to, to access the speed. So maybe one of them has the meta, the other one, like, you know, it's, it's two charges. Who knows? So it's like it's like you know like resin and activator. They have to like touch hands for the, the yeah. gene to actually activate. Yeah, that'd be neat. It'd be cool. I'd like it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, so as I mentioned, of course, um, you know you you've already referenced the fact that Grace appears by all appearances is the cicada of the future. We've seen in Nora's actual memories that there is a future cicada that that could very well be Grace. And uh, we've also seen in this episode that, you know, the the things that are happening, the changes that are being made are actually impacting the timeline that she's from. And that's what's going to bring us to this week's Speedster Speculation. All right, Val. So Nora is changing the timeline. We know this. You know, we've, we've gotten the revelation, uh, the, the confirmation, if you will, that the timeline is malleable. This is something that we've seen throughout. This is not a foreign concept. Uh, although we've seen other speedsters have different theories and thoughts on how you should get all, you know, timey-wimey with changing up the timeline. Now, obviously, Team Flash this season has gotten fairly comfortable with it. I'm surprised a little bit by the fact that Nora shows them right in front of their faces that the timeline is changing and everybody's just kind of cool with it. But what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, the reaction there from Barry and Iris, they're like smiling, going, oh, this is neat. Yay. <laughs> And I'm kind of like, um, yeah, you can blink you out her existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the fact that she showed them the page where Barry disappears and he was kind of like, oh, you know what? It would be a good idea to change time. <laughs> well, know, it's like facing I, his disappearance. I mean, I, I don't know, it, it, but it does seem so weird that they're all just like super, you know, I, I thought maybe Barry yeah. would mention something being like, oh, no, we've changed that. Like, hopefully nothing else has changed or, or some kind of indication that he's worried about the changes that they're making. Well, you know? so here's the thing that that got to me a little bit with this. I, I can buy I, I actually believe that it's possible for Barry to not go away in the crisis for basically Nora's entire childhood to change without her personally having to be eradicated from the timeline uh, the only thing that could really risk her destruction is her not being born at all. Like the way that's that's kind of the way that I I see it. Like there can be enough changes to the timeline and she could still go back. We've seen this with Barry, right? Like he goes back in time, he messes with some stuff, uh, he comes back. All of a sudden, uh, 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 shoot, kid who we haven't seen in forever, um, Pied Piper. Pied Piper is is a good guy now, and everybody obviously in the timeline is cool with it and they they all have experienced this but barry hasn't experienced this he has no memory of the timeline that he essentially created for himself and as yeah. a speedster he was protected from that it's only in a situation like we saw with eobard where the timeline is so irrevocably damaged that you were never actually born that it has any kind of direct impact on your existence same thing with uh with the uh uh, uh gosh uh, barry is I keep on wanting to call him Cicada. It's not. It's Savitar. With Savitar Barry, 
Like the same thing happened with Savitar Barry. He existed despite all the changes in the timeline that were going on up until the point of his creation being eradicated. And thus he was wiped out as well. So is that that seems to be the the trigger then is your creation is if something would happen to make it so that you couldn't be born, then you go away. Yeah, exactly. So from all for all intents and purposes, it does appear that, you know, <laughs> that they could change up the timeline in such a way that Barry actually doesn't go away. And, you know, Nora still gets to, to live, exist, and go back to a better timeline a la Marty McFly, where everything's a little bit more uh, hunky-dory. That could be neat. I, I think that's the situation we're dealing with. I think we're very much dealing with a Marty McFly situation with her. Um, well, I feel like it's going to appear to be a Marty McFly situation, and then whatever she's doing for Eobard... But your kids, going- Nora! Yeah, right. That that's it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a situation where like she goes back and everything's great, and then our cliffhanger for the end of the season is like Eobard's machinations have finally come to fruition, and everything's gonna be bad. And then she's gonna come well. back, and she's gonna pull the Doc Brown and be like, you know, no, 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 Barry Irish, you're fine, but it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's your kids. It's me. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, could be very very well could be. The thing that I don't get though is. The, the hmm, how, do I, how do I say this? So she should not be impacted by the change. Like her memory should not be impacted by the changes. So the girl that we saw being Cicada should actually not be this Cicada, right? Because she because her uncle was never supposed to be the Cicada of the timeline that she came from. Yes, because because of Nora's influence, the Cicada that Sherlock has it has always found was not cicada right which uh, would and, imply that before times were changed it updated you know the this there's a now a new cicada which means there's now a new kid cicada so the kid cicada and i'm, I'm using kid cicada for a, you know uh, just as a differentiator here whoever the kid cicada was of the future that she saw in her memories it would not actually be grace right so yeah uh I'm trying to remember what Barry and Iris saw when they go in there in the Flash Museum and they see that stuff because I want to say it was uh, a newscaster type thing or like maybe just a maybe it was well, like it a was, museum it was, bot, it was, but it was Captain Singh, wasn't he? Wasn't he saying it? No, I, or maybe that's right. That's right. It was a it was an interview with Captain Singh. Uh, yeah, and he was saying like, or at know, that point, I hope Commissioner Singh. Yeah, to this day or something of that nature can, continues on to this day. And they walked away thinking that Cicada, not only are they not going to capture him, or not only going to defeat him, but he's going to continue on and on. And perhaps with the imagery that we saw earlier that episode, it's not even him, it's more of like a legacy of Cicada. So it doesn't necessarily matter who Cicada is, just somebody's going to continue on that, that name and continue on killing. Well, I mean, I, I kind of got the impression that they were confused by that because, yes, they didn't catch him, but I don't think he ever came back in whatever story Nora had told them. So, may, well, they, but you can't change the future of a memory that's already occurred. That's what I'm saying. You can't change the future of a memory that's already occurred. Plus, when the future changes, you know, when the future changes, it doesn't impact the speedster's memory. It impacts their timeline. And they go yeah. and like live in that timeline, but they they just you know they're not missing a beat. They just pop right back in and they're 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 bebopping along. Yeah, that is interesting. So yeah, it would make sense that in Nora's future, the cicada is just a copycat killer, whereas in yeah. Barry's present, the future cicada is Grace. Potentially, potentially. Yeah, it would seem so. That that's the way that I interpreted that as well. But I wanted to address it just because. You know, like I said, there's never been any indication that active time 
change or active changes to the timeline impact memories or has there been that wait did that happen with savitar didn't that happen when that that hang on i'm i'm now that i'm thinking about it a little bit more didn't it actually happen that when barry did something savitar started to remember it oh you know what you're right it's 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 savitar well remember everything's barry centric though that is true well but but nora is a continuation of that same legacy like she's yeah. a speedster so she has her personal timeline barry has his personal timeline Maybe it's different because like you're dealing with a with a time remnant, but I, yeah, I, but I guess I can't say it never because that actually that was a whole deal. Like they had to you, keep Barry out of the loop so that Savitar wouldn't know what was going on. Remember they tried to give him like the amnesia potion or whatever. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, no, okay, okay, okay. So then this this is a a little you know wrench thrown in our gears here. Um, well, again, it's a little bit different because we're dealing with a time remnant and we're talking about two speedsters existing in the same moment in time. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it's so it's like a, if Nora it's like apples to oranges. So all right, in this scenario, if young Nora, if young Nora and current Nora were existing in the same moment, and young Nora was doing something, those new memories would start to impact current Nora. But does that count for a consciousness? I don't think of so. Young Nora. That's what I'm saying. I don't think I don't think it's the same scenario. Yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. It is. It is. I, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm trying to remember if this was the first time that we heard that Cicada came back after they never caught him. That's what I. That's uh, what I don't remember, and that's killing me. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think we. I know we know that he never. They never caught him. Right. But this right. is definitely the first revelation that he's actively. He's still at large. Like he's. He's not just that he, he got away. It's literally he's still doing it today. Yeah, because we know that he. We know that they that they didn't catch him. But what I was trying to figure out is whether or not they knew that he killed again after they never caught him. Yeah. And that that's what uh, that's what I can't remember. I'm gonna have to go back and uh, and, and do some research there. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to say, hey, um, Alicia in the comments is saying, can someone explain to me the Nora and Eobard Thon thing? I'm sorry, I'm just a little confused. Uh, yeah, I mean, so one of the things that we've seen with you know Eobard taking this mentor role with Nora in you know her past, his future, our future, whatever you want to call it, I. Uh, you know, it's clear that he's got her off doing something. What that is, we still don't know. That's still a mystery to us. You know, the, the notion that she was even scared about her parents going into her memories is that they would find out that she was actively working with Eobard. But to what end? Uh, we don't know. And to be honest, I don't think Nora knows either. Yeah, I, my, 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 I'm guessing that it has something to do with the cure. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who that was last week who mentioned that. I, I thought it was <laughs> that was you. You mentioned that. No, no, no. no. I, I mentioned I mentioned uh, them like executing him. Uh, but yeah. uh, someone in the chat last week mentioned that it's they're probably going to administer the cure to him. That's right. I which I think that. makes I think uh, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my, my bad for not remembering who that was last week. But uh, yeah, that that's that's definitely what I'm thinking is going on right now. Okay. Is that they uh they're going to issue the 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 cure to him and so he's trying to get Nora to you know do some stuff so that he can break out of prison or, or whatever you know all right I like it this is David Sobolov the voice of Gorilla Grodd on the flash and you're listening to flash TV talk I am Grodd all right man we got some great listener feedback in this week uh first one up from Riley what did Riley have to say 
Riley says, after hearing your speculation about Nora West Allen last week, I started to see what could possibly be the logic with Nora West Allen. What if Nora is the reason that Barry disappears? The way I could see the show going with this is Nora growing up without her dad and wanting to follow in her footsteps, which leads her to working with Thawne. From there, Nora would make ripple effects in the timeline that would make Barry disappear in the crisis. Along with this, I think that future Iris knew that Nora would go back and work with Thawne, so she put the power dampening chip in Nora to prevent her from going back in time. Hmm. I know that there are a few holes in this theory, but I wanted to see what you guys think of it. Uh, I also wanted to say thanks for the awesome podcast. Uh, Sincerely, Riley. P.S. Officer Jones from Seeing Red was also in episode 504, a.k.a. Newsflash. Yeah. He was the cop controlled by Spin uh, and released the bomb that Nora prevented from hurting everyone. That's right. I, 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 yeah, I remember them talking about him saying that, like, you know, he, uh, he had done something and he felt bad about it, but I couldn't remember what episode it was and what he had done. But I, yeah, I, I knew that they had, he had been in there at some point. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was. So thank you for, uh, for, for looking that up for us. Uh, yeah. And he was also in this episode too. Um, yeah, yeah that's true. Thank, thanks for that. Okay. So interesting theory. So perhaps Nora could be responsible for Barry disappearing in the crisis. So we kind of thought it was, might go the other direction, but interesting. The, the thing is, Eobard is from a timeline already. Like his source timeline, his, his primary timeline, had Barry disappearing from crisis. That was kind of the focal point that he wanted to ensure still happens in order to make sure you know that that, that newspaper was right and that his uh, future would continue. Because that's important to him getting out of prison in 2049, which he wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known that because. <laughs> This is a this is a previous iteration of him, uh, yeah. so far as we know, anyway. I you know I mean, maybe huh. the crisis is also intrinsically tied to Eobard somehow, and so that like he has to go and do I all that. I don't know. Based on the crossover, man, crisis seems to be a bigger animal. Yeah, yeah. We know that Barry is supposed to disappear in it. Well, so this is also what's interesting too is that we we have these you know, changes in time going right, and so the the paper was written. Are started in 2021, which is two years, two from years now. in the future. Yep, and the crisis occurs in 2024. So, well, sure. but we're, we've also seen bumped up timelines as a you know result of timeline tampering. Now, Nora still needs to be conceived, so that's got to happen. Yeah, uh, and the indication I think that we've gotten was that she's not supposed to be conceived until like five years from now. But I don't know, man. Iris is looking awfully young for it to have a have a child. I, I think yeah, I think that we may have bumped up the timeline of a couple of things, including and biologically this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but including including Nora being born. Yeah, and what I'm wondering though is if the uh, the headline or, or the date on the article now corresponds to Crisis coming out in 2020. And actually, so as you recall, Nora, Nora's existence is actually a result of time meddling, probably from Eobard. Could could have been from other other aspects, but I would imagine from Eobard's time meddling, Nora exists. Because originally, Don and Don would have been his kids. Because he's like, oh, uh, Don Allen. And she's like, no, Nora. And, you know, oh, that's really uh, sweet. At least you still have one. So, huh. Mm. Interesting, interesting theory, uh, Riley. Thank, thank you for that. That's good. Yeah. All right, man. We also got uh, Mr. Smith on iTunes wrote in as well. What did Mr. Smith have to say? 
Tap into the Speed Force and get your news in a flash. I started the journey literally a week ago today and have listened to every episode starting from number one. Bo and Bell make listening to TV podcasts enjoyable. Each week, these guys go over the episode, uh, go over the episode of what the week's flash episode is, uh, as well as hilarious commentary and comic book comparisons, while still maintaining respect for the show and the characters. Uh, in parentheses, he asks Granddaddy Thon, Sherla Bard, LOL. <laughs> if you're looking for a podcast that uses puns, <laughs> creates laughs, and is enjoyable to sit and listen to, run over and hit the subscribe button. Button. Well, thank you, Mr. Smith. We appreciate it. Uh, we're glad that someone likes our puns. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know we we've always appreciated our puns, but. Uh, but we also feel like that y'all tolerate them as a fourth so that appreciate them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, man, that's that's great. Thank you so much, Mr. Smith, and thank you, dear listener, for tuning into this week's episode of Flash TV Talk. I got to tell you, Bell, I said it. You know, I said it twice now. I want to say it one more time. This episode was fantastic. Definitely one of the ones yep. that I will look back on as a highlight of a season that has already been a really fantastic season overall, for the most part. And hopefully an indication that we are back on track as we head into the, uh, the latter half here. But uh, if you want to keep up with us in terms of our thoughts and such, you can follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk or on our personal accounts. You can follow Bell at Ring That Bell or me. I'm at the Real Bo York. But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. And why not tune in for the live show over at facebook.com slash flash TV talk on Wednesday nights. We'd love to have you at five o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, that's facebook.com slash flash TV talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach who provides some of the music for our podcast. You can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. Uh, be sure to help us make this podcast happen. That's right. Patreon.com slash TV Talk is a place to do it. Also, we are a member of the TV Talk uh, Collective and very proud to be. Check out TVTalk.fm for some wonderful TV talking podcast. There you have it. And until next time, we'll be back in a flash.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.